0: Cedar Point's Frontier Festival is back and brimming with new flavor. From May 26th through June 19th, this Old West-inspired street fest will fill Cedar Point with live bands, nightly hoedowns, and a hubbub of family activities. Yup, you'll find wheelbarrows packed with sunflowers and characters straight out of the frontier. But you'll also discover 25 cherry-inspired dishes and over 65 cocktails, seltzers, and beers. Get all the fix-ins plus savings to boot with the Frontier Festival bundle, which includes admission, parking, and a tasting card. Only
1: at cedarpoint.com.
2: This is the X-Zone Radio TV show with Rob McConnell on the X-Zone Broadcast Network and our worldwide family of broadcast affiliates. If you have a question for Rob McConnell or his guest, or if you've had a paranormal experience, call toll-free 1-800-610-7035 extension 0 or email xzone at xzoneradiotv.com. On all social media sites, our one address is... X Zone Radio TV.
3: From his slab began to rise And suddenly, to my surprise He did the mash He did the monster mash The monster mash It was a graveyard smash He did the mash He caught on in a flash He did the mash
2: He did the monster mash
3: For wow. my love notary in the castle east to the master
2: bedroom where the And welcome everyone to this edition of the Exo. It is Halloween month here and we're talking about everything that is weird, strange, bizarre, spooky. Things that go bump in the night. And I'm just not ta- talking about the guys who come home from the bars after uh, a little bit more of indulgence than they should have. I'm talking about the spooky stuff, you know. We all have that in our lives. Well, I know I have spooky stuff happening and You know, over the past 30 years, we've been talking to people from around the world, trying to understand what is going on, and you know what? We still do not know for sure. So what I decided to do this month was to invite people who deal with this paranormal phenomenon on a full-time basis, and my guest this hour is uh, Joanne Emmons, and she is a network performance engineer for a Fortune 100 company by day and spends her night and weekends helping people with their paranormal issues. Having grown up in an activity haunted house, Joanne has had a long life fascination with the paranormal, but only started investigating after her son began having his experience of his own. Now, in 2011, Joanne founded Paranormal Consulting and Investigations of New Jersey to help people with paranormal issues like the ones she grew up with. Joining me now is Joanne Emmons. And Joanne, happy Halloween.
1: Hey, happy Halloween.
2: So tell me, how did you get started in the world of the strange, the weird, the bizarre?
1: Uh, And that's always one of my favorite questions, talking to people in the paranormal, because every story just leads to a whole lifetime of pursuit of what you were just talking about, trying to understand what's going on. Uh, For me, it was when I was 10, my parents divorced and my mom moved, Mm -hmm. my brother and I, into a house been built in the mid-1800s in a
3: Ooh.
1: very artsy little town called New Hope, Pennsylvania, that's well-known for being haunted, even to this day. And things started going bump in the night from day one. It was what you'd call a poltergeist today. And I was just hitting those puberty years, and everything just was going bump in the night. And it was just a curiosity that's driven me to this day. Do,
2: so. you, f- do you find that more and more people are coming out of the closet, so to speak, with their paranormal experiences, thanks to uh, television shows and the radio shows that are, you know, now abundant everywhere you go.
1: Right. Yeah, definitely. And definitely starting with the Ghost Hunters and from then on with the mm-hmm. TV and stuff like that, It, it's not, I still don't come out much at work, so to speak, um, yeah. but it's not quite as taboo as it used to be. And people will, you start the subject and you're not going to end for an hour. We just go on. Anybody you talk to,
2: it's great. So, Joanne, why do you think that the subject, after all these years, is still taboo?
1: Oh, a lot of people just don't believe. In Even a lot of our own clients mm-hmm. uh, write to me, talk to me, and say, I didn't believe in this stuff at all, and then it happened right. to me. Um, so I think when you don't believe, and you're a doubter, and it's just you grew up with your parents telling you it was all a bunch of bunk and puppy and Ooh, yeah. <laughs> now we're here. No. Now I think we talk about it more, and it, I actually think things are picking up in the world, too, a little bit. And maybe it is because we're talking about it.
2: So tell me about the experiences that you have had personally that drove you to the investigations that you do with your group.
1: Ooh. Um, Sue. So, let's see. So when, when I – my son was – Probably about the same age I was, Mm -hmm. 10 or 11, when I first started having experiences. He and I went to a famous haunted place in New Jersey called the Spy House, very historic. And I was definitely into the paranormal, but I was focused on raising my kid at that time. We were out doing a seashell hunt or something like Mm -hmm. that. And as we were heading out of the door just around sunset, he looked up at the window and we're walking to the car and he started singing that song where the, the... Chorus is somebody's watching me, and my son does not sing ever in his life, never. So I asked him what was happening, and he said he had felt like somebody was in that upper window watching him. So when we left there, I was happened to go to a, a bookstore, dropped him off at home, ran to the bookstore to try to catch the end of a paranormal book author that was there about New Jersey and hauntings, and I missed him, but I grabbed the book, and of course I opened it right up to the part of the spy house, and right at the end he says. And people walking down the beach, right at sunset, feel like someone's watching him out of that out of that top upper window.
3: Wow! And it
1: just, yeah. And it just, in a way, it gave me permission. Like if my son's mm-hmm. experiencing things, and I know I did, maybe I can get back into this because it's not going to hurt him. He's already doing things. I'm not going to push things on him. But he kind of opened the door for me to say that it was it was okay. And after that, he actually had a couple years of seeing probably more spirits than I've ever seen in my life during his early puberty years. Then he shut down and he's kind of still shut. He's trying to open up again now at 22, but that was kind of my, my nod from the universe that this is going to be with you no matter what you do. So go for it.
2: So what were your, your experiences? You know, I, I understand that your son had the experience and is it passed from one generation to the next
1: yeah, I think my family definitely has something about being open with them, um, especially because the the poltergeist stuff I grew up with, a lot of that is psychokinetic energy and, and issues. Although even after I moved out, there was still some haunting going on for years, even to this day. Um, so I think what drove me, other than the experiences in that house, which were objects moving and things, mm-hmm. um, just like walking into the kitchen when everybody was, in the family room and you'd go in to get something and every drawer and every cabinet door was open. Typical poltergeist. Or we'd all be in the family room and you'd hear this clink, 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 clink down the wooden hallway out the door. And you'd go out and there would be an old wheat penny from the 1940s or 50s sitting in the hall. And everyone in the house was in that room with us. There was just no way. That happened six, seven, eight times to the point where my mom wouldn't let me go out and look anymore after the sound started coming. He's like, no, no, we know it's out there. Just don't go. (laughs) Um, Just things like that made me curious as to what was going on. Um, Then experiences after that really were just mostly in my own house. Um, I tend to be attracted to houses that are haunted, I think. They Mm -hmm. make me feel at home. So when I met my husband and came to his house, he started telling me about the little shadow figure that would go down the hall, and I eventually saw it myself. That was so cool. Um, Down the same orb that the little boy shadow figure would come, I saw an orb with my own eyes size of a softball just floating down the hall in the middle of the night. Um, and lots of stuff has happened in this weird house. The one, um, I think I bring stuff home. So the one of the weirdest was right after I'd been to uh, an investigation at the Burlington County prison, which is now a museum in Mount Holly. Um, And I had the little boy I was just talking about. I seen a shadow and I think I had actually crossed him over. So I had stopped talking to him for a while. So one night I said out loud, I said, hey, I think you're gone. But if there's anyone here that wants to talk to me, just give me a shout. Just shout in my ear and and I'll know you're here. And from that day for the next four or five days, we had a series of really weird events. My husband saw a a man-sized shadow figure walking down the hall I was at the top of the stairs with my son and all three doors started rattling Mm -hmm. around us. Uh, We went downstairs and he went first and said, Hey mom, there's a big black shadow in the top of our two level foyer. So just lots of weird stuff. But the culmination was I was in my bathroom just looking in the mirror and not thinking about anything paranormal. And I literally watched my head whomp to the right-hand side as something punched me in the ear. And I could feel it not only hit me, but go through me into my eardrum. And it didn't hurt. And the sound was like the twang of a guitar string. So it was almost like something wasn't really attacking me. They were just shouting in my ear, just like I'd asked. But it scared the bejeebies out of me, watching myself get kind of attacked in the mirror. Um, And so I talked to it after that and said, hey, we know you're here. You did what I said. Thank you. (laughs) You can go back now. And it was quiet after that. So.
2: In, in your opinion why are there spirits that hang around and other spirits go to wherever spirits go
3: mm.
1: yeah I think that's one of the big questions we always yeah. try to answer and assuming these much of what we talk to are spirits I definitely believe in the unfinished business um, I'm lucky enough to work with an amazing medium on our team Christy Tullone and so through her I can we can talk to the spirits and find out why they're here and what's going on and whether they're ready to cross or not ready to cross. And it actually gives us a lot of confirmation on some of the evidence that we found and stories that we heard. Um, But, yeah, I think it's a lot of unfinished business. We've heard a lot of stories, um, murders, of course, and Mm -hmm. things and people who were just upset and angry at the time of death. or There was something they just couldn't accept. So really, a lot of that is true.
2: All right. So what kind of evidence have you as an individual or you and your team been able to collect to kind of to kind of show people that, hey, look, it's real. EVPs
1: are still my favorite electronic voice phenomena, mm-hmm. the bread and butter of any paranormal investigator, I think. We have gotten just so many amazing EVPs at different places um, that interact with you. So it, it just totally blows the theory of it was a truck driving by or something like that. They're talking about your scene and what's going on. They're talking about your environment. They're listening to what you say and jumping right in. Some of them are muddled and you can't quite hear
3: mm-hmm.
1: others are so darn clear as day it's just amazing um one good one we were at a fire department north of philadelphia where in the 40s and 50s there'd been a boiler explosion and unfortunately several of the firefighters had passed on oh, so we were up in um, the upper level that used to be you know the hangout area mm-hmm. and the chief's office was up there and we were setting up our equipment and talking about things uh Kim, uh, my director of public relations, is just a really wonderful girl, and she has this great way of setting up timing on recorders, so we have timestamps that are the same on all of them. So anyway, we're setting up, and I'm talking about that, and I mentioned it two or three times to all the investigators there. We're doing it Kim's way. And we got an EVP, a voice that was none of ours, 100%. No one else was there at the time, and the voice said, who is Kim? So just really cool when they iterate that they're they're listening to you um another really cool one i got they have different frequencies and fluctuations but some of them that you get are these i call them little tiny voices they're clear as day but they're not loud at all you almost have to amplify them to hear them but when you do it's still clear as day and in woodbury new jersey um there's a wonderful house that we've been to a couple times and one of my investigators was in the basement and he very, <laughs> no cooth just said straight out, how do you know you're dead? Or do you know you're dead? I think it was the mm-hmm. question. And the EVP that came back was, woman's voice, you're a con, I'm not dead. And that was just so telling to me because from where they are where they stand, A, maybe they're not dead people all the time. And maybe to them, we are the ghosts. Maybe we're invading their time and space and leaking through wherever they are. that was kind of
2: cool. All right, listen, you and I have to take our first break. So please stand by. Great having you with us. And thank you so much for taking time out of your day to uh, be part of the show. We really appreciate it. Nation, our guest this hour is Joanne Emmons, And if you'd like to find out more about Joanne's team, their website is pcinj.org. That's pcinj.org. And this is Halloween month here in the Exxon. And as you know, this is a place where people dare to believe. And Dare to Be Heard. It's a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. And we come to you Monday through Friday from 10 p.m. Eastern until 2 a.m. Eastern right here on the Exxon Broadcast Network, Talkstar Radio Network, Mutual Broadcast Network, and a host of other radio stations and uh, networks around the world. I'm Rob McConnell. We'll both be back on the other side of this break. So whatever you do, don't go away. Welcome back to this Halloween special month here in the Exxon. I'm Rob McConnell. We're coming to you from our broadcast center and studios in Niagara, Ontario, Canada. Now, if you'd like to send me an email, Exxon at com is the email address, and on all social media sites, Exxon at exon tv.com. Joanna Emmons is with us, and uh, the name of her, what is the name of your research group?
1: Uh, Paranormal Consulting and Investigations of New Jersey.
2: Now, consulting, how does that fit into what you do?
1: Yeah, good one. So I worked on another team before I started this team. And mm-hmm. I was a case manager and an investigator and, and such like that. And a lot of the clients I worked with would call and say, okay, things just got really bad here. And right. usually they had. Um, and I didn't want to call sooner because I didn't want to bother any anybody. I know an investigation is a lot of work. It involves a lot of people. I just didn't think it was worth it. And I wanted customers and clients to be able to call us with any kind of question, any time, whether they thought they needed an investigation or not. So things didn't get quite so out of hand um, before we got invited in to help deal with things.
2: So So, what is so what is the most common problem that you and your team go to investigate?
1: It actually cycles over time and through the seasons, different things in different times. And like right now, post-COVID, there is a lot of people stuck at home. So there is a lot of energy buildup, uh, psychokinetic activity going on, uh, thought forms and things that are spinning up and kind of out of control, different than usual. Um, But we do get a lot of the usual, I call them Casper cases. Um, Things are just going bump in the night and Mm -hmm. they've been going bump for a while and suddenly something happens in the home that escalates the activity. A new person moves in, there's additional stress caused from something the family's going through. And the activity just kind of amplifies, and then they just need to know what's going on. Um, a lot of times they'll see a black shadow and assume it's demonic or something negative there, and, and they're just kind of want to know a little bit more. Because you know, I would too if I had something living in my home, if I had a spirit, I wouldn't mind so much, but I want to know who it is and what they want there, and you know, where they're from, and all that kind of stuff. So a lot of people are just seeking confirmation, and and a lot want a little bit more information about who's there yeah. and why. Um, of course, some of them just want things gone. Just <laughs> I don't care who it is. Just get rid of it. That's always fun.
2: You, you mentioned the demonic aspect. And are you finding more and more people are are breaking away from ghosts and going towards demons in this uh, day?
1: Um, Possibly. There's definitely more of an interest of it. Anybody in this field needs to be not necessarily a demonologist, but needs to know enough to differentiate some of the negative hauntings what's demonic what's not how not to make things worse when you go into somebody's home and they have something that's potentially negative our team doesn't deal with demonic per se we have partner teams and and consultants and things that are demonologists that can work that kind of thing so typically i vet that out before we have a case if there's something negative Um, but that said very little of what we encounter is what I would consider either even potentially demonic there's scratching and pushing downstairs and lots of negative stuff that's going on. That's just a nasty old human spirit doing it all. So, um, you know, we've got two cases right now that are, I would call them the negative side. Some extremely negative, even resulting in attack, attacks on some of our team members that are trying to work the case, psychic attacks. Um, but at, don't think they're demonic, I think it's just we've irritated a spirit who knows that he had a grip on somebody and Mm -hmm. we don't want him to have that grip anymore, so we're working it.
2: How how does a spirit acquire a grip on someone?
1: A lot of it, unfortunately, is past drug use, um, past alcoholism, um, things that make you vulnerable to something that's around.
2: Are you ready for spring? Well, now's the perfect time to head out to your local garden center and pick up a hydrangea from Proven Winners to add to your landscape. Proven Winners hydrangeas are gorgeous and simple to care for. There's just no better or easier way to enjoy a flower-filled summer. Take the time to plant one now and look forward to years of enjoyment and compliments. Look for Proven Winners hydrangeas in the white containers at your favorite garden center.
0: Now it's time for a plant fact. Roses are one of the oldest ornamental plants in cultivation, with a history going back over 5,000 years. The philosopher Confucius wrote about them, and Roman emperors treated their guests to dining on carpets of rose petals, with thousands more raining down from above. Become a part of this epic history by planting a proven winner's rose. Just look for the white containers at your local garden center, or visit provenwinnerscolorchoice.com that just gets a hold of you. Uh, There's always,
1: you know, a lot of people think Ouija boards and such like that. I I actually use Ouija boards, spirit boards and such, but there's a way. It's like, you know, if you're going to handle a weapon or drive a truck, you need to know what you're doing and do it safely. It helps. And there's definitely people who use Ouija boards and things and have fun and invite stuff in that shouldn't be invited in. Not as frequent as people might think, but it definitely happens. And we're finding a lot more of, there's a lot of people who are what I call sensitive, empathic, very, very open, more than I think there used to be 20, 30 years ago. And these people, if a lot of them know they're open and just kind of ignore it, mm-hmm. and they leave themselves wide open doing that to just bring home things that where, wherever they work. A lot of these, the, the, this type of people will talk to work at a hospital or a place where there is a lot of pain and death. And sooner or later, somebody starts coming home with them. So we get a lot of that as well.
2: Hmm, so does that mean if somebody goes to, let's say a yard sale or an auction, or they buy something in an antique shop, they could actually be bringing something negative into their home?
1: Yeah, definitely. And and most people, mostly not. It doesn't always happen that way. Um, But that's one of the things we definitely look at is, what did you, if if you look at and try to diagnose a haunting when somebody calls you, Mm -hmm. you always look for what, where did it start? Was it there the day you moved in? Did it start, you know, five weeks ago when you bought a little antique home? Um, and that tells us a lot. But objects definitely hold energy. And I wouldn't say they're always haunted, but sometimes they are. And sometimes they just have energy that you don't want in the house, and that can stir things up a little bit. So objects are, are definitely something to be wary of. Um, I personally don't do antiques just because I'm not sensitive enough to know if one's good or not. If I bring something home, I'll mm-hmm. cleanse it, sage it, smudge it, get the energy off it a little bit. Um, but people like our medium, Christy, she loves antiques, but she's really good, so she could go up to an antique and know if it's safe to bring home or not. So that's pretty cool.
2: How long does it take you and your team to do an investigation? Let's say I called you up and I was in your area, and I said, hey, I just bought a house here, Joanne, and I think there's something strange going on here. Can you and your team come over and, and check things out? How would you proceed with that phone call?
1: Ooh, so good one. So so we most of our inquiries come to us through either the Internet or our Mm -hmm. Facebook page, but it's mostly via email, Um, uh, sometimes going from old clients and friends and friends and such like that. But we always start with a questionnaire just to get some basic information so I can make sure I get the right case manager on the case and know ahead of time what kind of questions we want. We do a phone interview, at least with the client. If they're married, we try to include the spouse. And just get as much information as we can so that we can start to, call it, diagnose the haunting before we even decide if we're going to the home or not. Um, Sometimes you don't want an investigation. They might call up and say, I need an investigation. But given the situation, you're not wanting to go in there and stir things up if it's negative activity. Sometimes you just need to go take care of the situation and tell them, don't even worry about who it was. Let's just get rid of it because it's not a good thing. Um, but assuming we're moving forward with an investigation, our ste- second step is to send a couple of people out to the home to do what we call a prelim or preliminary. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the TV ghost hunters follow the same sort of a, a process. And you get a feel for the house. You do a little recording. You want to not only see if you catch EVPs, but you want to see how sound travels so that when you're going back for the investigation, you know how to set your equipment up and what's there. And you get them to place the stories that they told you over the phone so that you know what locations are really the hot spots and where to focus. But you also get a better feel for the client in person. And to me, a haunting is a combination of a location, a person or a group of people, family of people, and Um, and spirits who are there. So you really need to look at the energy of the people and how they're perceiving the haunting. And sometimes you need to be in person with them to get that. And it's also good if you have a couple, if you can separate them a little bit so that you get the story from one and the story from the other, a little bit like the police do and just different rooms, different stories, different information, and make sure you're getting the big picture. So you usually wind up pulling out a little more information that way. So we do what we call that preliminary. And that gives us a feel for if we're ready to move forward with an investigation, if we think we'll get anything out of it. Usually we do. Um, and night of the investigation, we usually do like 7 p.m. till midnight, 1 a.m. Um, doesn't take all that long. We take a team. It depends how big the location is, because we need if if we have more than three people, we need to uh, at least three floors in the location so that we can have an empty floor in between them. So you know, like we'll have a team in the basement, a team on the second floor, but we have to have an empty floor in between, or we're just going to contaminate our own evidence.
2: What happens so if it's a send uh, a
1: team out there? boy we'll-
2: what, what happens better- if it's a uh, one floor house?
1: Oh, then we just send a smaller team. Oh, Sometimes it'll take a little longer, but usually it's you know small house, lo- small location. So usually three people max for something like that, just so we're not walking all over each other.
2: Now, how many people do you have in your uh, consulting firm?
1: Uh, twelve now, twelve direct members and a couple consultants. We cover the whole state of New Jersey, which is pretty big. And thank God for the internet because we don't we meet in person as often as we can, but we really can't do that very often Uh, it's just you know from my house to somebody else's house it's a good two-hour ride so we cover the whole state by having what we call a northern team and a central and southern team for the different parts of the state and we overlap and we do a lot of driving Um, but between the twelve of us we have uh, one prime medium and then second medium that's also an investigator as well and then a couple people just dedicated to investigating a couple of them are team leads Um, One's a photography expert. So that just gives us the bandwidth by having 12 of us that we can cover all different aspects of hauntings and get the right case manager on the right job, depending on what the client needs.
2: Now, Tell me, how long does it take for you, having been doing this all these years, to kind of, you know, size up the situation and determine whether there's nothing there, the client is making it up or we just don't know what's going on.
1: Um, you actually have to be careful at my level of age and experience not to do that too quickly. Mm. It's really easy when I see a customer's email come through saying I've got this that and the other thing going on and I'm right away it's p it's pk, psychokinetic, like you don't have a spirit. And I got to back out of that and really listen to it and make sure I'm not putting my own assumptions on the case because every case is so different. You really never get the same thing twice. Um, but you can get a pretty good feel if, if you talk to a client for an hour. You've got a pretty good idea of what's going on usually.
2: Now, when you're doing your investigation, uh, do you have the client leave the, uh, the premise or do, you, uh, or do you want them there for some reason?
1: Yeah, a little both. Um, part of it's what they're comfortable with, because mm-hmm. we're going into people's homes and just, you know, running around every room. Um, if they're more comfortable staying there, they just need to be in one room, quiet. We'll put a recorder in there with them so that we I don't listen to their conversations, but we want to be able to cross-reference anything we think might be an EVP with what they're doing and saying. Um, if they are willing to leave, that's awesome that gives us the house and some quiet to ourselves but if we think there might be some interaction of the spirit to the client a lot of times spirits will be very attached to one particular client in the home or there's the client is sensitive so there's some um, some amplification that's going on where the spirit can interact much better when Mm -hmm. the client's around so a lot of times we'll send them away for most of the night and then come back, have them come back and do one session where we'll have the whole team just sit around the living room with the clients and see what we can pull what we can pull together with that, with their energy there. It does help.
2: Fascinating. How many years have you been doing this?
1: Uh do, do, do eleven, I think, twelve wow. or something like that. All it right. was when I, when I first um, mm-hmm. I started when I was, you know, I, my son got me interested in all this. Right. So I went online looking for a, a, one of these public hunts where I could just mm-hmm. go and be with a group and investigate, I think, Eastern State Penitentiary I was looking for near here, which is always awesome. And I wandered onto a group that had a place where you could apply for membership. And I'm like, people do this? You could do this? <laughs> and I literally spent an hour and a half putting together this wildly overrun um. Uh, application for the group, and of course, was the the minute they called and asked if I would join, I just I was in it from there. I was doing everything I could. And do, the, and non-stop. the rest
2: the rest is history. You and I have to take our news break at the bottom of the hour. Please stand by. Exonation. Joanne Emmons is our special guest. The website is pcinj.org, and we'll both be back on the other side of this break as we continue here in the Exon from our broadcast center and studios in Niagara, Ontario, Canada. Thank <music> you. It's Halloween month here in the Exo, and we're talking about ghosts, poltergeists, things that go bump in the night and tonight our guest is Joanne Emmons in New Jersey and uh, her website is for the Paranormal Consulting and Investigations of New Jersey. The website is pcinj.org Now I also understand you run another business uh, called Requiem right?
1: Yeah it's a, Consider a sub team of PCINJ uh, It's spun out of um, a lot of the work we found ourselves doing over the year that was non-investigation work where you don't want to investigate. You just need to either cleanse the house or we, we do a lot of what, what some people don't believe in. is called spirit crossings. So we really mm-hmm. do believe that if an energy wants to, a spirit wants to, with the right help, they can cross over not forced to um never made never made to go if they don't want to go um but a lot of teams don't do that a lot of teams will investigate and that's it um we 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 extend it to mitigations, anything from making, sh- you know, trying to get the spirit to cross to kicking them out of the house if they don't belong there to just cleansing the, en- the energy in a home, um, getting rid of people's attachments, things like that. So, all of that is just so different than the investigative work and so medium centered um, mm-hmm. that we created a sub team called Requiem to deal with specifically with that. And it's pretty much led by Christy Talon, our medium. So, it's just a whole different feel and flavor than the investigative work. And some people are comfortable in one, and some people are comfortable in the other. And in the end, we just pull all the pieces together and we help a client with both aspects.
2: How haunted is New Jersey? Oh, my gosh, very. I'm
1: surprised, too. I never had. I'm from Pennsylvania, so when I moved here, I wouldn't have thought it was haunted. Yeah. But the energy just everywhere is is just really cool. There's just a lot. We've got a lot of Philadelphia suburbs. We've got a lot of New York suburbs. So areas that have been populated for a very long time and lots of Native American energy and lots of war, unfortunately, history through here. So there is just never, never a shortage of cases, unfortunately, yeah. or fortunately.
2: Where is the most haunted location that you and your team have done an investigation? Mm. Ooh, so many! Um, All right, give me your top three. How's okay, that?
1: well, Eastern State Penitentiary is mm-hmm. always at the top. There's just it's just a fun place to go whenever you do an investigation. Um, we do mostly clients, and so we have client confidentiality, and I'm not going to mention any oh, of those. Oh, I, I
2: can respect that. I can respect that.
1: <laughs> cool. Um, and Gladstone Tavern in northern New Jersey, um, one of my favorite investigations, if I, if I can go. It was one of the investigations where you pull together the history, because I do a lot of historical research mm-hmm. if we're in for older place, and then you interview people and get their experiences, and then you go in and you take uh, the medium who walks through and participates in the investigation and picks up a lot of information and talks to the spirits that are there, and then you get the evidence. And you pull them all together in the end, and sometimes it just comes together just beautifully. In that case, um, the house, what is now the tavern, was built as a home in 1847 by Andrew and Sarah Rarick. You can actually see their name carved into the beams in the attic. And they had adopted, um, Sarah's sister had died in childbirth, so they had adopted a little boy as their own. And when he was two, he had gone to to, um, visit relatives and went, Into a river and drowned and it just devastated them so they had wound up moving out of the house ten years later and had their life Um, but what we found during the investigation that fit with sightings of a man a woman a child um, and with our medium's impressions was Mm -hmm. that the the father and mother even though they didn't die there even though they didn't end their life there they had come back and the reason they had come back was because Edwin who had again passed away somewhere else had come home. His uh, spirit was still there. But his spirit didn't show as two when he died. His spirit showed more like a 10 or 11-year-old. And my theory is that, you know, for the he passed away at two, but his parents lived in that house and thought of him for the next eight years. So maybe he grew. Maybe they celebrated his birthday, and maybe his little spirit energy grew with that. But um, all these years later, he's still there. He's fulfilling his own life. Mom and dad are both there. They're kind of in their own little worlds, but they're not going anywhere till he's ready to go, and he's not ready to go yet. We got a great little EVP of him. Um, he's a child spirit that's been seen by many people there. Um, and one of the things we had done along through the investigation was was said that you know if he'd let us know he was there, we'd get we'd bring him candy or get the owners to bring him candy. So we have an we have an EVP from one of the, the bottom floor where he usually plays uh, when none of us were down there. And it's a little boy's voice saying, I want candy. And it's just so cute. So that's definitely on my top 10 because we had three different spirits there that were all family and another guy hanging out in the basement. And it's got this <laughs> wonderful history of prohibition and things going on. And it's just one of those places where you walk in, it's just really positive, happy energy there. So I like that place.
2: Why are there so many pubs and bars that are haunted?
1: Mm. yeah well first of all lots of energy to draw from if you're going there if you're a spirit and you want to be a little more active Mm -hmm. i think a lot of people had good times at places like this and in the gladstone tavern we think the guy in the basement was just a guy who's had some of the best days of his life down there maybe during prohibition when most of the activity was down there but i think people live there die there or, or a lot of innkeepers if you own a business. Anybody owns a business knows you put your life into it. Sure do. So, you know, if you've run a bar, managed a, a, a bar, a saloon, anything like that, and you pass away, this is your baby. It's not going to stop being your baby just because you're gone. So I think that has something to do with it too.
2: Yeah. My staff is convinced that when I pass on, I'm going to haunt the studio and the offices.
1: <laughs> it's a threat, right?
2: I, I hope so.
1: Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm
2: looking at you know, spending time on the other side, relaxing.
1: <laughs> yeah, some of us aren't ready for that yet. Yeah.
2: You know, my wife says, you don't sleep a lot. I said, well, no, when I'm not here and I'm on the other side, I'll get all the rest I need. So why ruin a good thing? There you go. Exactly. Is there any, any demographics that, that, or any analytical information that you have been able to amass as to who, what, when, where, why certain people... Encounter the paranormal and others don't. For example, I've been on many ghost tours, ghost walks, historical walks, uh, brought into haunted theaters or doing TV shows. I don't get anything. <laughs> the people yeah. beside me can, you know, they're right saying, Rob, how come you can't hear it? And I don't. And that drives
1: me crazy too. And we're somewhere in my medium's like it's right there, it's right in front of us. Here's a dragon. I can't see it. I can't hear it. Um, But I'm a little, a little more open than that. I think some people just have an energy that shuts things down, Mm. um, that keeps things blocked. Maybe it's, maybe it's for a reason. Maybe your, your spirit doesn't want to. I started uh, my, my team with a a woman named Pat Kibbe, who has now moved on and does demonology. And she was one of those people where you know she would tell you herself she's going to scare everything away when she shows up. There's no activity. She is <laughs> shut. But doesn't that make a perfect perfect demonologist though? Because it does. those are the people who don't want to be open. So right path for her. Um, but there's more and more people I think these days that are open and uh, their energy shines a little brighter, looks a little different, might attract spirits a little bit more. Um, hard to say though. But definitely some people have. Trouble ever experiencing anything.
2: You see, my past—I'm—I'm I'm an ex-cop, and being a police officer—and you know, I used to do investigations. We—we we work on fact and evidence. And some people have told me, well, that's why Rob is because you're looking for facts, you're looking for evidence, you're not opening yourself up to the possibilities.
1: Yeah, yeah very likely.
2: Yeah, very likely. Now, when you clear a house. And let's say somebody doesn't want a spirit in their house. They move in, they find out there's a spirit, and they say, nah, don't want this person here. How do you get rid of them?
1: Mm. So part of it depends where the spirit came from. If, if this was their house first, I'm mm-hmm. not one who's going to go kick them out. So I'll try to cross them over if they yeah. want. If they don't want, you know, we can work with them on keeping quiet, leave it the 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 clients alone we can work on with the clients on what we call verbal control which is one of the strongest ways you can influence a haunting in your house just setting down ground rules without screaming yelling just this is what i need i need you to leave me alone at night um so if the spirits of the house i don't tend to kick it out unless it's negative unless it's causing trouble um but if it's followed you home from a graveyard Mm. or something like that we can do certain things if it's not ready to cross to kick it out to protect the house we use sage a lot tingsha bells change the energy and the vibration of the house the old thing with salt putting borders around things and we'll use religious metals as well but only if that's something that the family that lives there believes in you know if i believe in a religious metal and they don't it does no good at all so Lots of different things, but it really depends on the situation. Um, And a lot of times our medium will have guidance and be given guidance from her guides as to, for this particular thing, here is what we want to do to get rid of the energy to protect the house.
2: Now, when you say help somebody cross over, where do they cross over to?
1: Gosh, I wish I knew. And it's kind of scary saying, we think this is the right place for you to go, so go. Mm -hmm. Um, But when we open those doors you can feel the energy and it's just it's just really really amazing um and sometimes i i still do wonder to this day you know am i just dreaming this all there's a really spirit there are they really crossing over how do i know and one of my favorite cases from northern new jersey that that give gave me at least a little confirmation on this um, other than the fact that I can feel it. And sometimes they do come back and say, thank you, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, but we had a case where the woman, it was a family in a house, a woman and her husband and a young child, and she had actually grown up in the house. And now her parents who had used to have the house had moved a couple of doors down. So during the investigation, she went to her parents' house, a couple of doors over. And one of the spirits that, that we encountered was a um, man i'm sorry i don't remember if he was younger or older um his wife's tombstone not her grave but just the um, tombstone itself a piece of slate was in the garage under this outhouse building and he was hanging around looking for her he couldn't find her um so christy helped us work with her and at the moment we crossed him over i could feel the energy change a flashlight that we had flashed on and it just felt right seemed right so we went went on, client came home at the end of the night and she looked at me and she said, so what happened at 947? And I'm like, I don't know, what happened at 947? She said, we were all sitting around the table and the chandelier above their table started shaking and she heard this big popping sound. And popping sounds are something that a lot of people hear when a spirit crosses, or at least we think we do. So of course I went back to the tapes and we used network time to monitor our recorders so we're within a minute. And by gosh, we had crossed that gentleman over right at 947. Unreal. Yeah, so as he went, he went, found them a couple doors over, said his goodbye. And that was just pretty cool confirmation, at least.
2: Do they ever come back?
1: Oh, that's a really good question. I think they can. I think when they come back, and I don't think it's all straight transition. Sometimes there's intermediates that different spirits, especially who have been into drugs and have had heart issues in their life, can can be at an intermediate place for a while. Um, When they come back, we believe – it's as a different energy. You're what we call a crossed-over spirit. So these are the visitations you get where you're crying on your bed and you feel an arm around mm-hmm. you. Or you see a flower that is your, something that your mother used to love all this time mm-hmm. and it just comes out of nowhere. So crossed-over spirits, we do believe, can come back. They come back in different ways. They don't haunt us or hang around. Um, but they can also come back. We've had several that have been hanging around kind of full-time when someone in the family has a health issue all right let, are, let's
2: hold it right there and we'll continue about health issues and spirits on the other side of this final break Exonation. our guest this hour is joanne emmons and she is the founder of paranormal consulting and investigations of new jersey and their website is pcinj.org and uh, joanne and i will be back on the other side of this break as we wrap up for this hour here in the exone with yours truly rob mcconnell from our broadcast center and studios in Niagara, Ontario, Canada. See that it's a Yeti It's the white's the color of its hair Just like the dinosaurs He should have died off long ago
3: But the will to survive has kept him alive In Alaska's frozen
2: snows
3: Tales around the
2: campfire And welcome back, everyone. Happy Halloween. This is Halloween month here in the X-Zone. And if you'd like to uh, send us an email, if there's somebody that you'd like us to interview, or if there's some questions that you'd like us to ask any of our guests that we have coming on when it comes to ghosts, poltergeists, things that go bump in the night, send me an email, xzone at xzoneradiotv.com. My guest this hour, all the way from New Jersey, is Joanne Emmons. And she's the founder of Paranormal Consulting and Investigations of New Jersey. And their website is PCINJ.org. First of all, Joanna, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been a delight having you with us. And, uh, man, you are just a walking encyclopedia when it comes to the paranormal.
1: <laughs> yeah, there's so, so much to learn. I feel like I've got just a tiny little slice of it that I've been yeah. exposed to, which is just wonderful. But
2: um, there's just so much more out there. It's amazing. We were talking before we went to the uh, final break about uh, spirits who seem to be more attached to a person or a place when there's an illness involved.
1: Yeah, we've had several cases where um, a crossed over spirit, a relative, someone who Mm -hmm. loves you, has done everything in their power to come back and hang around and try to let somebody know that they've had a health issue or something else going on. and hopefully we can get that warning across most of the time and they can do something but they're definitely there and protecting us um whether we're open to hearing them or not is a different story but they do they do come back and take care of us
2: is there a difference in your opinion between an angel and a spirit or a ghost mm,
1: yeah really good question so when angel is so much of a religious term um but yes, to me, there's definitely angels. Um, there's a whole, it's hard to put names to things like that. But the, I believe we have spirit guides that are there to, to really draw, to guide us through life if we're willing to listen to them. And angels are a different flavor of that, if you want to say that. Um, there's all sorts of energies out there that are, um, angelic in nature, protective in nature, spirit guides. Some We try to classify them mm-hmm. as best we can in our little human heads to say whether they were ever alive on Earth or not. And generally, angels never walked the Earth, but spirit guides are spirits that have evolved but did walk the Earth once. And we all try to give different layers and categories just to try to understand it as best we can. I, I'm not sure we ever can in, in this human mind. Um, and then there's this whole range of things called elementals, which personally, I never believed in when I started all this. And now it's like, this is really cool. But elementals are a non another form of non human spirits that are earth spirits, if you want to call them fairies and um, trolls and goblins and all this kind of stuff. That there are really are these weird little entities that show up in so many different forms Mm -hmm. that are part of the Earth, and they are here to undo some of the damage that we've done. They've been really active lately for obvious reasons. Um, but they try to help the Earth and maintain the Earth, and they're just these most interesting little entities. I'm just starting to learn about them. Um, but the, the types of things out there, and of course the Yeti, who some people believe that the Sasquatch is a, a trans, kind of a spiritual animal that comes and goes in the Earth. So just so many different forms of energy that can happen here that we only see one layer of and experience one layer of. and It's hard to imagine how much more is going on. It would probably scare the heck out of us if we could see everything that was really here. So it might be better that we can't.
2: As a person who has been involved in paranormal investigations over the last 11 years with the Paranormal Consulting and Investigations of New Jersey, how close to reality was the movie Ghost? Patrick Swayze, you, you know, Ooh,
1: that one's a good choice um, probably fairly good, fairly, yeah probably really well on um, and every, every spirit's journey is different of course but things like that really do happen it's pretty amazing
2: somebody once asked me Rob when you do your Halloween specials how come you don't use the theme from Ghostbusters well it's very simple the people that we bring on to the show are very serious about what they do and I don't want to um, show any disrespect. And I think that the movie's Ghostbusters. You know, it was great com- comedy. But when it comes to the actuality of the work that you folks do, I think that many people have found it to be misrepresenting of the paranormal community.
1: Oh, very much so. But um, most paranormal investigators still love it. And really? And Scooby-Doo, we love Scooby-Doo too. Uh, we had a... A reveal, we did a beautiful old home decorated with antiques, the owner's owned an antique store. And when we did the reveal, she luckily warned me ahead of time, she was turning it into a party. So we did our reveal and presented our evidence in front of probably 30 people. And then she had a DJ there playing Ghostbusters. And (laughs) it was fun as heck. So, yeah, not quite reality, but it's still fun.
2: Well, yeah, you know, you have to mix business and pleasure at times. Definitely. Yeah. Um, When you do the investigation and you take all the equipment and you take all the data that you've amassed, the video footage, the audio footage, how long does it take you to come up with your conclusions that you present to the the people who have, uh, you know, acquired your services?
1: Yeah, good question. So there's a lot. After we finish the investigation, we'll Mm -hmm. usually have, you know, anywhere from... 20 to 40 50 hours worth of just audio evidence to go through let alone video evidence and we all have full-time jobs we this is all free this is all volunteer work so this is all spare time nights and weekends it takes the team usually two to three weeks for everybody to go through all their ev- evidence. And we work online on a bulletin board, so we'll share evidence. So like if I go through everything and I'll find a piece that looks promising, I share it with my entire team. So everybody can debunk things and we can cross out anything, um, cross-referencing. Mm-hmm. If I hear voice in one room, I've got to listen to the recorders in the nearby rooms just to make sure it wasn't somebody else, try to triangulate where the sound was coming from. All that stuff takes definitely a good three, four, sometimes five weeks of our time after the investigation.
2: I, um, I was floored to learn last night that because of the success of television shows uh, pertaining to the paranormal, there are locations now that are charging people to go in to do investigations.
1: Oh, definitely, definitely. What we read them out all the time, <laughs> and and some of that is this. I mean, a lot of them are historic locations that really need the money to help keep them going. So um, Whitehall Mansion in New Jersey is a famous one that's just deteriorated and they make a lot of money off of having people come in and do benefits and do investigations. And we'd love to go there. It's it's, it's definitely on my top three list. Um, but it's a way of earning money um, for most people to help maintain a property that, that otherwise might deteriorate. So not always a bad thing.
2: But don't they realize that if a, a group like yours comes in does an investigation and then promotes it because that's what you folks do with the investigation information that you have get other people interested go in and help create the paranormal tourism industry as 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 it has grown into these these years and you know basically you folks are their marketing arms
1: yeah that's true that's true and you have to be careful in locations like that too um, it's so easy to get groups in that are disrespectful
3: Really.
1: And so yeah that that taunt spirits we absolutely never taunt a spirit but you get some people come in just paid investigation for fun and you'll get things like that most people who run them are very careful not to let that happen but it really can you know I mean, how would you be feel as a spirit if you're in some place and you're living mm-hmm. your afterlife and all these people just come in to try to talk to you all the time and yeah. harass you and call you names and yeah, not always the most pleasant thing, I'm sure.
2: You know, our time is nearly up. We've got about, uh, what, Craig, three and a half minutes? Um, what, what message would you like to give to the Exo Nation tonight when it comes to paranormal investigations? And how can someone listening tonight who, who has found you so informative, so interesting, how could they or what should their steps be to becoming an investigator like you?
1: Uh, Yeah, well, probably the public investigations like you just talked uh, about. Just go out there and join a group. Mm -hmm. Um, Go to some of these places. Uh, Go into quiet time. Go out to the middle of a graveyard or a field where there was a battle or somewhere historic and just sit and be quiet and see if you can open up and just hear things. You can use your phone as a recorder. Um, Do a little homework before you start doing stuff like that, though. Make sure you know the right way to do things. Watching TV shows does not give you the right way to do things, especially ghost adventures and things like that. We don't taunt. Um, You need to be respectful. You need to be open. Um, But if you just kind of start on your own, learn what's the right way to do things, and there's a lot of resources on that out there, um, I'd be careful investigating your own home. If you try to do something like that, you're opening a line of communication. You're saying to whoever's there, I want to talk to you. I want to hear from you. And maybe that's okay, or you might regret that a little bit later. So a lot of investigators won't even investigate their own homes. just kind of have to feel through that a little bit. But be careful. Be cautious. Mm. Don't go doing things that might make things worse. If you have a friend or neighbor who thinks they have a haunting, don't go smashing in there and not know what you're doing and stir things up because you get to leave and they don't. So, But there's definitely stuff that you can do to learn, to start investigating, to use your phone to start recording things, to just try opening yourself up to some of the energies out there. That's pretty cool.
2: How can a listener know who to go to and who not to go to? What are some of the red flags when investigating how you know should i join this group or should i join that group
1: yeah good question um if any group that charges money just walk away really? um look for a group that is open-minded that does mm-hmm. not believe that they know everything i like to look for groups that are not, some are religious-based um i like people who are more open-minded but we really have no idea what the right answer to anything is out there um so just See, I mean, a lot of it is who jives. Our team is just amazing. I think we've had no churn for the last year and a half, two years now. And they're great people. It's like a little family to us. So part of it really is just find somebody who has similar philosophies to you that you get along with, that your energy is good with their energy, and you just support each other and have fun together and learn, learn about what's out there. Back to what you were saying in the beginning, trying to understand. So find a sure. group that that you can do that with It's looking for the same answers you're looking for
2: if somebody listening tonight would like to contact you because they live in new jersey or the area where you do uh, help people how can they best contact you
1: pcinj.org we've got a Two, two questionnaires on there. One is for, uh, t- or two emails. One is for consultations. One's for investigations. If you don't know, just start with the consult. And we do consultations throughout the country. I mean, if we're talking, we can't come in person, obviously, if you're in Canada. But we Oh, could. come um,
2: on. We're not so that far. We've done far.
1: consultations in Canada. We've done mm-hmm. them in Egypt. We've done them in Alaska. So we can talk you through things most of the time. And then if we feel like you do need a group, we can help find a local group that, looks to us that's trustable. We can reach out to them. There's certain networks that we're part of that would help.
2: And where can people get a copy of your book? I think my house is haunted.
1: Yeah, I think it's still on Amazon. Um, It should be out
2: there. Yeah. Well, Um, well, listen, congratulations on all the great work that you and your group do. Please give my best to all the members of your team. And... um, don't hesitate in coming back. We'd love to have you on the show again to talk about many of the other cases that you and your team have done.
1: Awesome. Thank you so much. This was fun.
2: Nice talking to you. And uh, once again, happy Halloween.
1: Happy Halloween.
2: All right, Exonation. Nation, our guest this hour has been Joanna Emmons, and uh, she is the founder of the Paranormal Consulting and Investigations of New Jersey. Their website is pcinj.org. Now, I'll be back on the other side of this commercial break with the news at six and a half minutes past the top of the hour as we continue here in Halloween month in the Exxon, because this is truly a place where people dare to believe and dare to be heard. We're heard Monday through Friday from 10 p.m. Eastern until 2 a.m. Eastern. And don't forget the Exxon TV channel, 24-7, 365 broadcasting of great movies, interviews, man. We even have people on there teaching shaman. Um, What does a shaman teach? Shamanism. Thanks, Greg. Check them out. The Exxon TV channel is exclusive to Simul TV. I'm Rob McConnell. Don't go away.
0: Now it's time for a plant fact. Everyone loves lilacs, but there's more to them than meets the eye. Their scientific name is syringa, which derives from the Greek word syrinx for panpipes. This is because their stems are filled with a spongy pith that can be removed and the hollow wood played like a flute. You can get your own lilac or any of the award-winning Proven Winners flowering shrubs at your local garden center or visit provenwinnerscolorchoice.com.